Hey, if you're new with us, just want to welcome you to church today. My name is Joe Polino. I serve as a lead pastor here. Uh, and uh, as Marshall said, we are in a, a, a sermon series and in a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we have been really digging into uh, these these verses in Matthew 25 through 30, and I'm actually going to call on a friend and member of our church to come up and read those verses for us. The amazing Melanie Benz, would you please come on up? <laughs> Melanie is a good friend, and also she serves on our overseer team, helping lead our church uh, as well. And so she's going to come up and read the scripture. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible. It should be one in the seat back in front of you, but it will also be up on the screen as well. Hey, Melanie. Hey, good hey here you go. Good morning. Um, rest for the weary. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you, Melanie. Amen. This is God's word, right? Amen. Well, hey, as a church, we are in day seven of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And like, like Marshall was saying in announcements, this is our fifth year in a row to do this rhythm of beginning the year with three weeks of prayer and fasting, which sounds pretty intense if you're new with us. That's <laughs> like, okay, all right, they're, they're about their fasting. Um, but uh, I will say it has really become one of my favorite things that we do um, every single year. And the way that we do it is we have uh, been, we, we change it up each year a little bit, but the way that we started last week is that we fasted from media. So any kind of media that doesn't involve your job, non-essential media, uh, is what we started out as. And someone uh, said, hey, you know, did you realize you started the fast on MLK Day, on a holiday? Uh, and that uh, also, did you, you know, I, I didn't plan this, but we had an Arctic storm come through. And so all of our kids were home. And so, like, this was like, we're, we're not easing into anything. <laughs> like, this is like really challenging. And so it was really challenging for me. So here's some observations I had from the fast um, just from this last week. Number one, I realized with media, I'm way more dependent on scrolling on my phone for an emotional boost or that morning dopamine hit than I realized before. So without that, I'm experiencing that. I also re realized that the Dallas Cowboys are non-essential media. I appreciate them for doing me a solid by laying an egg and just being done with it. And so I'm like, I don't even need to wonder how they're doing because uh, I know how they're doing. And um, so that's kind of a bittersweet one. Uh, you know, and then we had uh, just our kids. So we as are encouraging families to engage in some way just to take a step 
grace to everyone out there of how they feel like they're able to do this. We told our kids, hey, we are fasting from shows for the next three weeks, and then we braced ourselves. Um, and and to, our, to my surprise, one of the things I learned is that our kids are actually way more able to participate and are having an easier time with the no-shows because that means they get a little bit more daddy, daddy and mommy time. But what I'm realizing is I miss the shows. I miss the bluey breaks. I miss I, whatever show that is. I'm like, oh, man, I don't get any kind of like uh, a pause here. So that, that's been a little interesting, you know, for me. And then in like a maybe more sincere positive note, I've noticed that without the media, a lot of times before this, I was complaining about not having enough margin in my life. And I'm realizing, oh, here's the margin. I'm actually discovering that there is more space than I realized, but I was just kind of automatically filling it up with things that aren't bad, you know, but just I'm getting more margin. And so I'm a little bit more present with people around me. I'm also more able to be more aware of, God, what are you doing right now? Reading the scriptures and engaging in the fast. And one of the things that feels different about this year than in the years past is uh, I almost feel like the, the picture I get is in years past, like last year we prayed, Jesus, I surrender to you things that we are having trouble controlling. And so it felt like every single day there was just something I was surrendering that felt timely and just like immediate, like nail on the head. That's what I need for today. But this time I always feel like the Lord is like, like, has his hand out and says, you need to come closer. There's, there's more that I want to teach you than just kind of like that, um, that, that simple, like, this is what you need today. It's almost like, I want you to come search me out and find me. And it's that part where it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me that I feel like is just highlighted. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about that today. Um, and as we do that, I just want to remind us that the heart behind this fast is that we want to put things aside temporarily so that we can really take a hold of what is truly life. And that's Jesus. And that is who he says that he is. And I don't want us to become too familiar with this passage because we're reading it over and over again. Because when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, what he's saying is something that I can do something that no other human being can do. And in fact, he's saying something that's so striking Uh, C.S. Lewis, who's a British theologian, he said it this way. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, which uh, I have never eaten one of those, but I guess they're, you know, British breakfast right there. But he's on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to do so. So as we come to this text, just... Realize, like, this is an amazing promise that Jesus is not hedging. He doesn't say that you need to go do these things and then come to me. He's just saying, come to me. 
and I will give you rest. And so this, in some ways, if you're new to Jesus or new to faith, I would just like to put before you, make this a holy, make this a spiritual experiment of coming to Jesus and see if you're met with rest. Because I believe, and I've, I've tasted and seen it, and believe that all of us, there's different levels of rest we can enter into together. Amen? Amen. Well, in, in thinking about this light and easy yoke of Jesus, I was thinking about, okay, when in my life have I experienced um, something like this, a light and easy yoke? And I started to think back to when I was just a year removed from college, I was doing my first job. Uh, I was a finance major, so I was a retirement plan consultant as my first job. Uh, not very exciting, but I was very thankful for the job. And there was a lot of things happening in my life that I was thankful for. Uh, I was really had good friend community, uh, was growing my relationship with Jesus, um, but there were, and I had a job. I mean, at that point when I graduated around 2007, 2008, there was not a lot of jobs available. So I was very thankful. And at the same time, there was a lot of anxiety that I was battling about my future with career. I felt lonely uh, at the time because I didn't know really who to share some of these things with. Even though I had my friends, I still was feeling lonely. And really, if you kind of got down to it, at that point in my life, I felt like if anyone really saw who I was, they would probably turn and run because I'm an emotional, knotted mess. And so I was going to church. I was thankful. I was experiencing good things. Like I, it wasn't a crisis situation, but you know, life can be complex sometimes where we can experience both those things at the same time. So you might find yourself in a similar place right now of being thankful for many things in your life, and yet there's this inner need, this wrestling, this weight that you're carrying. So that's when uh, I was introduced at that time to a man named Dr. Artie Sudan. Dr. Artie Sudan. I have a picture of Artie up here. Uh, he's in the middle, and his wife, Luana, is on the other side. We are actually uh, in Uganda in that picture. He was a doctor, and he uh, uh, led a medical mission trip. That's actually the Nile River we're in front of. And so I was introduced to Dr. Artie Sudan, which some of you know, some of you know very well. Uh, we have Jason, who's Artie's uh, son, and Mary Beth DeBrot, who's here. I, don't, I can't... There you are, yeah. And then they're both married to an Alex, Alejandro and Alex Sudan. Um, but Dr. Sudan, he was a doctor in, in Waco, in internal medicine, and he went to the same church, and I was connected to him because what he would do is he would go through, um, he just intentionally would ask the pastors, hey, is there any young adult guy that is looking for uh, investment, mentorship? And if so, connect me with them, and we'll see if we can, uh, see if we can connect. And, and so we connected, and, and what he did, he said, hey, I want to invest in you and your relationship with Jesus. And he said, here's, here's what that will look like. Uh, at his doctor's office, every day pretty much, a pharmaceutical salesman would come and bring him lunch so they could pitch him pills or whatever it was. I didn't know how it worked. All I knew is that I got free lunch. So I would show up, I would eat the lunch, and then we would talk about the Bible. Uh, we would talk about what we thought about it, and then we would talk about how do we apply it to our lives. And then he would ask for a prayer for himself, and then how can he pray for me? And here's this man who, at this point, he has four older children. Uh, he loves his wife, uh, respected physician in, uh, in the city, 
And I was just like, I have a lot to learn from this man. And I was coming in with the expectation of, okay, Dr. Sudan is my Yoda. I am a Padawan. Help me figure out all the angst that I have in my life. You know, just you can be Mr. Miyagi. I will wax on, wax off, whatever you want me to do. Like, just teach me your ways. But the thing that was light and easy about Artie is that it was very simple. And in all of it, this man knew the scriptures way more than me, had way more life experience, and he passed that on to me. But he, what the thing that he passed on to me was that he, in his older age, was still learning from Jesus. And that he was still wanting me to pray for him. He was still going to the scriptures and reading books and, and learning things. And it was like this paradigm shift of like, oh, like, you're not the one that I'm going to find rest in. You're not the one that I need to call like my, you know, disciple making master. Like you're following Jesus and you're trying to help me to follow Jesus. And in the past, whenever I'd invested in people in church or I was new to my faith, I would get all anxious because I didn't know all the answers to the Bible. Things were confusing. And so I just said, I'm going to pass on that. But already showed me a different way. He showed me a way of where, hey, we're learning together how to come to Jesus. And so I just want to honor Artie and say, I want to do that this morning with you. I want us all to come to Jesus and learn from this passage together and discuss it. And I have a few things for us to, to point out along the way. Does that sound good? Okay. So we'll put up this, uh, the scripture up on the screen. What I want to do is for us to all read it out loud together. Okay, so it's just Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It's on the screen. Just follow along with me, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just want to invite you to pray with me. Lord, I pray, God, that more than me talking more or the things happening right here, that you would speak to, uh, to us, speak to hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, so come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Last week, we looked at that first verse where it says, come to me, all the weary and burdened. So just as a reminder, come to me, all you who are weary. Those are people who are just tired from work. Those are, you know, if you are uh, tired from your job, tired from things that are a blessing, your job might be a blessing, parenting might be a blessing, uh, friendship, schedules, those things might be a blessing, but things can make us weary or tired. And then he adds on burdened. Those are like external things coming on you that just weigh you down. Maybe that's financial. Maybe that's a fear that you have. Maybe that's a relationship that's broken. Maybe there's the unlimited amounts of things come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And like Marshall said, we all have this, <laughs> which is the amazing thing is that he says that, that I want to reveal who God is to all the weary and burdened. So the only people this would exp- exclude are the people who are full of pride or they have their stuff all together. And the gospel is for those who realize they need help. They need they need someone to help them. Uh, and, and so with that, there's this picture of this yoke that he gives. And so we have a picture of a yoke. It's not an egg yoke. 
It's a it's a it's a yoke that's a wooden crossbeam that goes across two animals and it's hooked up to farming equipment. Normally it's hooked up to a plow and it's used to till the soil. And what he's saying is that I want to you come to me with your burdens and I will give you rest in the form of a yoke. And what he's saying here is Jesus is saying that this yoke is also a metaphor for the teachings that you're under, and they're too heavy for you to carry. In Matthew 23, 4, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and the teachers of the law of his day because they were being hypocritical. They, here's what he says. He says, they tie up heavy and cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger or move them. So in other words, these religious leaders were saying, you need to obey God's law, and then there's, there's an endless list of rules and traditions and regulations that you also have to meet, and then maybe you'll be close to where we are and being close to God. But in the meantime, all of your problems are because you're not living up to the law. And so that is a heavy load for you to carry, and I'm not going to lift a finger to help you with that. So that was a yoke on the people of Israel. Now, we don't need to be uh, back then to realize that there's other yokes that we carry as well. There's yokes of this world that say, man, like I used to think, man, if I reach a certain level of income, that is going to bring me financial peace. And what I've learned is as I've hit that level of income, that is a yoke that says there's really never enough. There's really never enough. Another yoke that we can put on is one of comparison. You know, maybe in your field or in your job, there's someone that you're like, well, I'm, I'm better than so-and-so, but I'm never going to be good as that person, right? That seesaw never stops. It never stops. You're never going to reach that point of contentment on your own. You're not. Those are just a few examples. There's, you know, there's, you, you right now can be content or you can be provided for and your needs are met, but if you don't have a confident expectation of good in the future, then you have a low hope. Low hope. And without hope, we can't, like, we can't be healthy people. And so as a result, there's yokes that we're carrying, and Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, and this is where you're going to find rest. So if you look at uh, the verse again, it says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Uh, and so with that, I, I asked um, a friend uh, of, of ours in our church who is a, uh, he, it's not his day job, but he is a craftsman, and he's very talented, Jim and Adelina Lewis. You here? So, Jim, uh, if you notice, last year we had our, our fast, and we did uh, Drop the Oars with our th- was our theme. And Jim made a giant oar where we all wrote things that we were surrendering over to the Lord, and it's on our wall as a piece of art to remind us of that. Well, Jim and Adelina did another piece of art, and this one is a little bit bigger. I might need some help, actually, to bring it up here. Marshall and John, would you help me with that? So what Jim and Adelina, his wife, did is they uh, made an actual yoke. They made an actual yoke. So let's bring it up here. Yeah, isn't that amazing? And when I say actual yoke, this is like, uh, like, see, like life size. I think this is about 70 inches. Yeah. So, I mean, this yoke, I mean, you can imagine like putting two oxen 
in that groove. You know, I used to think, like, I have, I've never used the word yoke except when I was in high school lifting weights. Like, oh, that dude is yoked. I, like, I had no idea what I was saying. It's because you could literally, like, he was so big, his shoulders were so wide, it was like he could lift this thing. And so we want to be yoked to Jesus. And, uh, and so, but he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And think back to when the scripture I just read about you know, the, the Pharisees putting on burdens and not lifting a finger to help them. And the yokes of this world saying never enough. And even in the past, a yoke was an imagery of slavery that the Egyptians were under. So there's yokes that bond us, and they, they take and they take and they take, and they don't give rest. Jesus' yoke is one that's easy and light and brings rest. And so the reason it's easy and light, actually, can you guys put that under your necks? I know, I know you weren't expecting to do this. Oh, yes. Yes, I love it. Now, how does that, how does that feel? How does that feel? Feels great. Feels great. Now, I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to do an experiment here. So, John, why don't you come out from under, and Marshall, you stay there. Okay, okay, okay. So, let's see. Let's, let's, let's just see if he can hold it up by himself. Okay, okay. There you go. There you go. How does that feel? <laughs> he says he misses John, right? So, John, go back under him. So, the reason that it's easy and light is because it's a yoke of grace, and it's a yoke where he's coming under and doing the heavy lifting. He's coming under and doing the heavy lifting. So thank you guys so much. You guys can actually go over there. And thank you, Jim and Adelina. That's beautiful. So Jesus' yoke is a yoke of grace. A yoke of grace. Now, grace means the unearned or unmerited favor of God. In other words, we could not do anything to earn his gift of of grace or earn his gift of relationship, but as we come to him, we receive it. Grace can also mean empowerment to do things that we were not otherwise able to do with Jesus by our side. And so that's why I love this picture of a yoke because it says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. What Jesus is saying is my yoke is way different than the yokes of this world. And really what he's doing is he's using an oxymoron. An oxymoron is a, you know, English term where um, you have two words that mean the opposite thing, paired, opposite, opposite thing paired together. And, uh, you know, so here are some examples of some oxymorons. I don't think there's any relation to the ox, but I just was like, oh, that's interesting. So you think about someone saying awfully good or I went on a working vacation or that's bittersweet. Like those things make you kind of lean in a little bit more because they, they're opposites but, uh, but they, they're, they're getting a point across. And Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy. It's an oxymoron because yokes aren't meant to be easy. So what he's saying with me is that my yoke is a yoke of grace. Let me do the heavy lifting. Let me come up under. And that is why it's easy. You know, a scripture that says, why is this easy for us? It, it, it's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, where it says, Jesus, God made him Jesus who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took on the cross, took on our sin, took on all of our sin, shame, our past, present, future shame, future sin, all of our brokenness. He took that up on the cross himself. He bore that yoke. And when he died when he didn't deserve to die that death. It said, it said that he knew no sin. Jesus was the only 
person who knew no sin, he took that on himself, and in, in exchange, he offers us relationship. He offers us reconciled relationship with God. He offers us to be made clean, to have forever this conscience where it's like, I'm loved by God. I'm invited in. And so it's this yoke of grace that he receives. Praise God that he said, this is a yoke of grace. That's kind. He's kind. He's kind. He's gentle and humble of heart, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. So, but not to be mistaken, a, a yoke that is easy does not mean your life is going to be easy. I, I love this quote from a book called Gentle and Lowly. It says that Jesus is not saying life is free of pain or hardship. This is the same word elsewhere translated kind. The easy word is translated kind. As in, for example, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another and tenderhearted. Jesus is using a kind of irony, saying that the yoke laid on his disciples is a non-yoke, for it is a yoke of kindness. God's yoke, God's disposition to you and to me this morning is one of grace. It's one of kindness. And it's one where he wants to lift us up. His yoke is, 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 is to what uh, helium is to a balloon. It's to lift you up. Amen? Amen. And so uh, Jesus was very clear, though, that this does not mean an easy life. He says in John 16, he says, I've told you these things so that in you, may, you may have peace. He's talking to his disciples before he goes to the cross. But then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Just because you have the yoke on doesn't mean that your path is easy, but it means that he's going to be with you bearing it under. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. I was talking this morning with uh, some of our worship team, and Nathan Wright was sharing how this fast, the picture that just keeps coming up, is that, you know, the burdens in your life might not change overnight. He used the example of, uh, you know, if you're carrying a couch up an apartment three flights of stairs, it's going to be hard. <laughs> like, that's not something that you want to do. But he said, just getting this image of there was this one time where he moved a couch, and there's these straps that get up underneath something heavy, and you lift it up, and it made a world of difference. Going up those flights of stairs is still difficult, but it's a whole lot different when you realize that you, uh, that you have um, someone who's distributing the weight like you can never do yourself. Does that make sense? So as we come to Jesus, we see that he is giving us a yoke that is full of grace. And also we see that there is a yoke of discipleship, of relationship, of apprenticeship to Jesus. Now when I say discipleship, that just means that you are a student that you're going to learn over time something, okay? So notice that yoke had two slots for two oxen. And if you think about in the back in the, back in the day in the, in when they would do this with oxen, they would pair a mature ox with a new ox or an immature ox. And that mature ox would teach the younger one how to pull the plow in a way that would work. You know, the younger ox, I can imagine, would want to go graze in this meadow and pull this way. Maybe it wanted to rush to the end of its row that it's plowing and get all chafed on its neck. Or maybe it just didn't want to listen. It was stubborn. And that mature ox would help teach it and learn, this is how you walk. This is how you do it. And so Matthew eleven twenty eight says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. And this is something I didn't realize when I first became a believer I thought, okay, man, Jesus has died on the cross for my sins. I believe. I grow in relationship with him. And I kind of thought that was it. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to be a part. But there's this whole other part where he says, no, no, no. That's just the beginning. 
There's a whole other journey of getting to learn from me, getting to watch and, and see how I do it. And as I was thinking about that, and, and that to me is a lot more motivating because it gives me like something, something to look forward to. It gives me like, I want to become like Jesus. I want to grow and learn more about him. And as I was thinking about this yoke analogy, I thought about our family dog named Brody. Brody is a golden doodle. Um, Brody is a loved member of our family, um, but this is the last picture I could find of him when our six-year-old daughter, who's one, this was like five years ago. So when you have kids, your dog pictures kind of go to the back and your kids take up your phone. But we love Brody. And uh, when we first got Brody, um, I, I come from a dog-loving family. Um, but when we got married, I said, you know, babe, I need a little bit of a break uh, from that. Uh, and she was like, did not come from a dog family. And so she was like, can we get one now? And I was like, can, you know, just enjoy me as your new husband. Like, come on. Um, and, uh, and so we had a good laugh about that. We eventually did get a dog. And I remember Brody, we, we specifically got this breed because I was like, okay, I thought that with the golden retriever part, he would be a little bit more calm. And he was not. He was not at all. And we had a fourplex apartment where you could hear every creak and sound. And so I was so self-conscious of our dog just, you know, being a bad neighbor. And I remember taking Brody out to, uh, to teach him how to walk on a leash. And it was just miserable at first. And he would want to run and run into the street. And he would pull. He would pull so hard that he would, like, you know, like make himself choke and, like, throw up, like, as he's doing that. And it just was, I did not enjoy going on walks with Brody. But over time, as you can imagine, he's now nine and he's learned to, for the most part, walk and not pull. He's actually a really good dog. In fact, there's times I leave him off the leash and he just kind of runs around our front yard and I know he'll come back. And he did not start out that way, but over time he learned to not fight the leash fight the collar, but actually whenever I pull out the leash or I accidentally pull it out, he gets so excited. He gets so excited because he's like, I want to go with you where you're going. I want to, I want to put that, I want to, I want to uh, go on a walk. And I just think, you know, in a, in a similar way, the teaching of Jesus might initially feel constraining or feel a little bit like, I'm not so sure about this, but over time, as you practice them, as you're in community, as you build trust, it's actually like, oh, this is actually really, really good. This is really where life is found. And I love uh, in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, there's a, a message version. It's a different version, more of a contemporary language. And this is what Eugene Peterson says. It's an exact translation of uh, or parallel to the scripture we read. He says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Jesus is offering us not just a one-time, you know, hey, you are forgiven. You're, you're in the family of God. Great. He's offering us a yoke of discipleship. And that's why we say here often, like, our vision is because Jesus loved us, our desire is to walk with him, become like him, and help others follow him. Because it's this, this imagery of being yoked with him of, like, I want to be in a place where I'm receiving soul rest 
at a level that only he can give, and I'm learning to walk with him, right? So the yoke of discipleship, he's inviting us into that. And so we have up here on the screen, just uh, the next slide, just contrast of ways of the world versus ways of Jesus. And I would say this, getting into the yoke of Jesus is easy, but staying in it is not. And I think that's one of the things that I'm learning this, this, this fast is that, man, there's things that I have good habits in. There's whole areas where I'm like, I feel like a newbie. I need to call Dr. Sudan again and just say like, okay, can we go on a Zoom call? But, but really, I feel like a student again. I feel like, okay, show me how to do this. Show me how to work. Show me how to, to do errands. Show me how to walk with you in this. And so as a, just a reminder, as a community, as a church family, there are rhythms that we are doing together to help us learn to walk with Jesus. Jesus uh, had rhythms of prayer. He fasted. He got alone with God. And so we want to go ahead and do the same thing that Jesus did to become like him. And so we have a morning prayer rhythm in the booklet that you have where every day there's just a simple acronym of PRAY, which stands for PAUSE. So just be still and turn your attention to God. And then you read the scripture of the day. There's a prompting question. And then whatever your burden is that day, you just say, Jesus, I come to you today with my, come to you today with my burden of fill in the blank, and I receive your light and easy yoke and walk with you. And so as we commit to walk with him, just believing that he's going to teach us. And then the other rhythm we have is in the evening where we reflect on our day. Okay, what was today like? Uh, you know, what made me glad? What was hard? What was good? And you reflect and you replay your day. And you give thanks to God. You rejoice for the things that were good. And then you repent of where you didn't act Christ-like. And then you just reboot. Okay, you, you can do this. Like you're, you're going to commit your next day to the Lord. And then here's the part I just really want to highlight this week is the community part. And one of the things I'm realizing is that the best way to walk on the yoke of Jesus is to do it with other people. That's the way Jesus designed it. When he said, come to me, it is a coming to him, but then he says that uh, when, he's, when he prays to the Father before he goes to the cross in John 17, he prays that, God, would you make the people who believe in me one in the same way that we are one? That was our theme last year, make us one. And so I've found when I confess my burden or confess my need or raise my hand or just say, hey, can you pray for me? There is a grace. There is almost like I can see Jesus getting up under the yoke and just lifting up whatever that is. And so last night I was like talking to Amy about, okay, this is where I feel like I need prayer for this sermon. Or this is where I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm just not fully grasping like what God wants to do in this fast. And I said, I just want to confess that. Can you pray for me? And it was like, okay. I'm, lift, I'm lifting the burden. It's, it's where pride kills discipleship with Jesus, but humility breathes life. And so I just want to encourage us as we go forward to just in community or in, um, if you're new with us, to come to Discover Antioch and to begin to build friendships with people that you can talk about these things with and to say, hey, can you pray for me in this area? And that is a big way that the, the yoke of Jesus teaches us how to learn from him and walk with him. Amen? All right. So the last part is what is the yoke of Jesus like? Is this, he, it's a yoke of compassion. It's a yoke of compassion. It says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, that it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. This is the only place in the Bible where Jesus describes his own heart. 
There's lots of places where we can learn what Jesus is like from Scripture. This is the only place where Jesus fills in the about me column in the website. Hey, what would you put about yourself? Here's what he says. I'm gentle and humble of heart, which can, go, can fly in the face of how we might see the way that God sees us. Now, it doesn't mean that he's weak. Gentle there means meek. Humble means lowly. It means that he is all-powerful. He is able to save. He's able to give you rest, and yet he comes close. He is glorious, and yet he is gentle and humble with us. And so it's a heart of compassion. And one of the things that I'm hoping, just as we, as we close, and I actually want to invite the band to come on up, one of the things that I'm hoping is that as we get God's compassion for us, is that we as a church, we get compassion for others around us as well, to a greater degree. You know, I just thinking about Artie and thinking about his example that he gave. You know, Artie, uh, man, uh, he had a full life. And he had, you know, kids. And at that point, like, just grandkids coming and uh, his wife and just more, more things than you realize were on his plate. And yet he had met Jesus as his Savior and as his mature ox that he was going to follow. And that he said, I want to follow you. And Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations. So he said, I want to help other people follow Jesus. And I'm, I'm here today because of him. And so I just pray that that compassion of God would filter in through us and it might not even stay with us. This fast might not ultimately be, ultimately be about relieving your burden. It might actually be about helping you, you helping someone else to meet Jesus and walk with him. And so as we, as we close, just I want to leave us with this question. Jesus, what is a burden or yoke of this world that I'm carrying? And I just want to give us time to actually just go, go to Jesus right now. Just go to God in prayer. I believe that God speaks. I believe that it says that Jesus is like a good shepherd and, it, and his sheep know his name. And so I believe that God, um, through the Holy Spirit, can speak to you today and you can, uh, you can hear his voice. You can hear his whisper. He also speaks to us through scripture. He speaks to us through other people praying into those situations. So I just want to pray, Jesus, come. Would you help us to connect with you and to your light and easy yoke? And so, Lord, I pray that right now, God, that you would help us, God, as we're coming to you, to not be hindered, God, by any burdens, but to take up your light and easy yoke and to follow you. Would you show us, God, what is something that you're wanting us to give to you?